Good morning. Good morning, Central Park Baptist Church. Good morning to y'all. How are we doing this morning? Hey, we doing all right? Amen and amen. If you're able to rise, we'd love for you to join us in this opening hymn, hymn 207, hymn 207, and then we'll have a we'll have a word of prayer. Hymn 207, hymn 207. Surely goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy. 207 so long a pilgrim was I and a so grateful for your mercy and your goodness. Lord, we're thankful, God, that you chose to send your son to die for us so that we might have eternal life with you. So, Father, this morning we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon this place and to be upon this people. 
Lord, and that your will will be done in each life. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue in worship, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 470, uh, excuse me, hymn 419. Don't know where that came from. Need to get a new pair of glasses. Hymn 419. We're marching design. We're marching design. Hymn 419. We'll do all verses. Hymn 419. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, the Bible says we preach anything else. Let him be damned. Amen? Amen. And I'm thankful that we have a Savior that loves us enough to die on the cross for our sin. And because of that, because we're saved, we can sing, I've got a mansion. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Hymn number 444, I've got a mansion. Come on, folks.
you're seated, welcome to Central Park Baptist Church. We're awful glad that you're here today. If you're a first-time visitor, this is your very first time with Central Park, and you did not receive a visitor card, if you slip your hand up, our ushers are coming right now to give you a visitor card. If you'd fill that visitor card out, after the service, in the foyer, there's a big desk out there, and behind that desk, it says welcome. If you, I'll be behind that desk. If you'll bring me your card, I got a gift bag of some things I want to give you for coming today. They're not much, but it's something to express our thanks to you for being a part of Central Park. There are a lot of churches all over the place that you could go to, but you chose to be with us today, and we're glad that you're here. We want to welcome everybody, our regular uh, people, uh, those that uh, come once in a while, and those that are here uh, today. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to our service. Amen. amen. Pastor? Amen. Glad you're saying amen. Amen. Well, we got some work we need to do for before next week if the Lord don't come back. Amen. amen. Y'all look around. See all this green stuff? It's called empty pews, all right, just in case. And uh, so we, we let's uh, let me encourage you. Let's get out and about this week. Let's call our folks. Let them know that we missed them today. And uh, listen, there's no place where we can slack up in God's work. Amen. amen. I told Brother Shelton a while ago, I said, man, it looked like the rapture took place and we got left. <laughs> now, I know that's not true, but I mean, that's what it looks like. Amen. amen. Now, <clears throat> it may be a little bit, a little reversed one of these days, you know. I honestly believe that when the rapture takes place, there's going to still be folks that come to church on Sunday morning. Yeah, I do. I believe that. Uh, but I'm not going to be one of them. Amen. So, uh, I mean, I mean uh, well, I was going to be, I was going to be funny and, and say Brother Marco could preach, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> but I won't do that. I won't do that because he may beat me there. So, uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, let me say this. I appreciate first uh, all the prayers for my family this past week. God was good to us. And, I mean, he, he's good to us all the time, but he's good right. to us at uh, my dad's service Friday. And so uh, thank you for your prayers. I also want to say thank you for everyone that came over yesterday or Friday to the service. And that was just an encouragement to me. And uh, I, I appreciate that uh, as well. I, me and my wife was talking on how we, she and I are blessed by you allowing us to be your pastor and pastor's wife, God's uh, God's good to us, and I just want to say thank you for uh, thank you for your prayers and for your support. I appreciate that very much. Continue to pray for my mom. Amen. Uh, not, don't pray for my dad; he's okay. Amen. He told me a long time ago, "Don't you tell, don't you ever let anybody say that I died. I'm not." He said, "I just changed places." So he's good. So uh, just pray for my mom. Amen. And I certainly appreciate that. And I thank you for again for coming today. And, and uh, this is that portion of service where we can all uh, we can all worship. This is part of our worship. Amen. 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 So let me encourage you. You worship with a cheerful heart today because God loves a cheerful giver. May God bless you as you give. Father, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us to be back in your house this morning as uh, the church has come together to worship as the body of Christ in this place. And I pray, God, that your, your hand of favor be upon us today. May the Spirit of God reside over us and in us, Lord, this morning. And, God, may we be responsive, Lord, to your wooing, Lord, today and in every facet of our worship. Lord, even here now in this offering, bless the gift and the giver. And I pray, God, that you'd please add your blessing to it, that we might reach the lost for the cause of Christ. Because it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. <clears throat>
Amen and amen. Now at this time, if you're uh, fifth grade, fifth grade and under, fifth grade and under, you're now dismissed for Virginia Church. Fifth grade and under, you're now dismissed for Virginia Church. The remainder of us, if we could stand, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 574, hymn 574, hold the fort, hold the fort. We'll do the first, second, and last verses of Hold the Fort. The first, second, and last verses of Hold the Fort. And 574, sing along. Oh, my comrades, see the signal way. Straight is the road we're called to travel, many the trials along the way. There's a brighter day, brighter day on the other side, on the other side. Trouble is always there before us, trusting in Jesus we can say. There's a brighter day, brighter day on the other side. There's a brighter day. With the saints, saints in the, the heavenly land will ever abide. And happy we'll be. No more pain or sorrow. Sadness will say goodbye. Each tear he will dry. He will dry. There's a brighter day, day awaiting, awaiting for me on the other side. Walk 
walking with Jesus through the battle, standing on His amazing grace. There's a brighter day, brighter day on the other side. On the other side, trusting the One who died to save us, soon we'll see His blessed face. There's a brighter day, brighter day on the other side. There's a brighter day. Rejoicing with the saints in the heavenly land will ever abide. And happy we'll be. No more pain or sorrow. Sad as we'll say goodbye. Each tear he will dry. He will dry. There's a brighter day awaiting for me on the other side. There's a brighter day. Brighter day up yonder, over on the other side, on the other side. Rejoicing with the saints in a heavenly land will ever abide. No more pain or sorrow, sadness will say goodbye, each tear he will dry. He will dry. There's a brighter day awaiting for me on the other side. There's a brighter day awaiting for me on the other side. Amen. That's pretty good. Amen. I like that. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> and don't worry. I know sometimes when you say Malachi 3, people start drawing up. And it's already got really quiet. Found your place, Malachi 3. We're going to start reading in verse 7. We're going to read down through verse 14. We're going to talk about some Old Testament prophets. Okay, and uh, maybe not what you're thinking right now, but you'll see in a second, all right? Found your place, amen. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord, yet ye say, What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully? 
before the Lord of hosts. Father, I pray that, God, that you'd speak to our hearts today as we, uh, Lord, uh, open the word of God and we focus upon this verse of Scripture, Lord, that you've uh, given, Lord, for today's message. And I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord. Uh, the challenge doesn't come from me, but, Father, it's come from you and from the word of God. And, and so, Lord, I pray that we'll listen with, the, with a clean heart and a right spirit today. And, Lord, I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The first book in the world that was printed with movable type was the Bible. And I always liked that. I had the opportunity to learn how to set type years ago. I worked in a print shop, and you sit down at this little typewriter thing, and, and then it just it's this big-looking you know, thing on the side, and there's a, 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 a lead pot over here that's heated, and it's got the lead in it, and, and you just start... You know, you don't type like this. You just you type with your fingers, and you're sl you're slamming on these keys, and it pushes a button and a lever over here, and and some of the the type will go down into this little valley thing and fall into a, a mold, and it will type the letter that you had just typed, and then you take that letter and and you put it in a a rectangle shaped square, if you will, on a form, and then you and then you when you put it in there, you put it in backwards and upside down. And then you put it in and you tighten up the form and then you put it in a, another form over here with a press. Uh, we had a little one called a windmill press and it would literally bring the, a roller over here, put some ink on it, and then it would roll over here and it would press the paper up against this set type and then it would the roller would roll over it and then it would come back and then when you pick the paper out, everything that you had set in that type, it would print it on a piece of paper. That's the kind of process that they went through in printing uh, the Bible for the first time. Johannes Gutenberg was the inventor of the printing press, and he printed about eight, 180 copies of the Bible. It took three years to do it, to print 180 copies. From 1453 to 1456, only about 50 copies have ever been found. And one copy, in fact, printed on what's called vellum and said to be one of the three perfect copies. It made its way to the Library of Congress. If you've never been there, that's a pretty neat place to go. Uh, but it was obtained and, and bought, purchased for about $400,000. And if you're interested, a well-preserved two-volume set sold in New York City for about $3.2 million. Now, we would all agree, now watch, that the copy of the Gutenberg Bible would be a valuable possession. I'd like to have one. A lot of people would like to have one, but not for the reason maybe you or I would want it. They would want it because it was the, uh, you know, one of the first copies of uh, printed copies of the Bible. They they wanted it because of its historical value, but the fact that it's the Bible, the Word of God, I, I think would be a factor least considered in its value today. But I want to draw your attention to a portion of the Word of God today that we have. We're holding it in our hands. And, uh, and, and it's, uh, uh, I think sometimes when we read, we read over these types of things. But, but I want you to see that in, here in the Old Testament, somebody questioned the value and the profit of divine things. 
And as we look at the text, I want to draw your attention to uh, the fact that the people in Malachi's day questioned and doubted the profit and value of serving God. They still do that today, by the way. George Truett once said, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge, to find the will of God is the greatest discovery, and to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. Dr. Truett is declaring the profit and the value of, of serving God. Uh, that You know, the, there's an old story about William Borden, one of the wealthiest uh, uh, men in the Borden family at one point in his life. He gave up his wealth and his inheritance to go to China to be a missionary. A lot of his friends told him it was foolish. They told him it was a waste of his life. Uh, and as they, and, and they, but they knew as when he got on the boat to go there that it was futile. But he hadn't been in China very long before he got very sick and he died. And at his bedside, they found a note that he had written, and it read this way, no reserve, no uh, retreat, and no regrets. In other words, he was telling us that there is value in serving God, and he considered it a great profit. But as we look at the people in Malachi's day, we see that they felt a lot different about serving God. They considered the matter of serving God as without value or profit. And, and so in our text, we hear them questioning the profit of, uh, of service. They question the profit of serving God. And, and we, as you look with me in verse 17, we notice <clears throat> that uh, how that, that serving God was addressed and how they addressed it. They said, uh, Malachi said, ye have said it is vain to serve God. Now, I want you to see this. If you go back in chapter 2 and verse 17, when you read the book of Malachi, you find people saying a lot of things about God and to God. And in that chapter and verse, we read where it says, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. That word wearied speaks of being exhausting. You might say, man, I'm telling you, oh, so-and-so, Brother Marco, I'm telling you, he just goes on and on and on. Amen. I mean, we just can't get a word in edgewise. I mean, sometimes, and you've heard people do it. I mean, you know folks like that. They just don't know when to stop. Yeah. Not Brother Marco. I mean, it's the same idea in our text. You could say that God was fed up and worn out from what they were saying. If you look in chapter 3 and verse 13, you notice that it says, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Malachi tells us that they irritated God with their words and they insulted him with their words. And that word stout, it means that which is strong, hard, and harsh. And, and these people were saying some harsh and terrible things about God. They were, they were putting God and the things of God down. They were, and it's painting us a, a picture of here of a group of people that were just sitting around talking and yapping and, and listening and just complaining and all kinds of other listen, but they weren't doing anything. In England, I thought this was pretty interesting. If a person calls somebody several times, you know, and and, and back then in those days when they had a uh, a party line, y'all y'all know what that is, you know, and 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 someone would get on the phone, and if you kept getting on the phone, and that line was constantly busy, they they had this saying that they were having a good chin whacker. 
They were having a good gossip session. Well, these people were saying some stout and harsh things about God. It's still that way today. Listen, there's a lot of people around that say some harsh and terrible things about God. But notice how they viewed their opportunity. Look in verse 14. They were given a great opportunity to serve God, but instead of of taking advantage of that opportunity, they viewed God as a vain, uh, serving God as a vain activity. Verse 14 said, they said, it is vain to serve God. Why serve God? It's vain. That word vain speaks of that which is foolish, insignificant, unprofitable. Instead of looking at serving God as favorable, as, uh, as something that they viewed as, as an awesome thing and an awesome privilege, they thought it was insignificant, they thought it was foolish, and they thought it was profitless. Listen, this statement reveals a people that knew nothing about God. Absolutely nothing. It reveals that they had not been serving God. And notice this, usually uh, when people uh, aren't doing something, listen, they complain about what is going on. Amen. Those that are not doing, listen, let me just throw this in here. This is not in a message, but it's in what we read. Usually if the ones that are complaining about the money are the ones that aren't giving anything. Amen. I mean, the ones that are finding fault about this and they say things about about the, the finances of the church, listen, it's because they're probably not doing what God wants them to do. Come on, y'all go ahead and say amen. Listen, they, they don't have a clue what's going on. I was, I was thinking about my dad again, and he's, he's the one that, 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 that made me think of the message this morning, by the way. Uh, you know, I think about once where there was, and I've told you this story, but I'll tell you again about how there was somebody in church complaining about how they didn't think that the church's finances weren't being used right and all these kinds of things. And, and uh, so uh, Dad just, you, you know what he did? He, he had an idea who was doing it, somebody that wasn't giving anything. So he just posted all the tithing records. Y'all go ahead, amen. You know, sometimes people you think is doing a lot, not doing much at all. I thank God. I was telling my wife this year, I thank God for our our ladies that are on, uh, and, and some of our folks that are on fixed incomes. Listen, they're the best givers in the church. They're faithful about giving, brother, and they give, and they give because they love the Lord, and they love the cause of Christ. And then we have someone that's sitting around that's blessed of God, and listen, don't give a nickel. Yeah. Uh, That's what these people were doing. They said it's vain to serve God. Listen, anybody who would make the claim that serving God is vain, they don't know anything about serving God. Uh, no one who has served God or serves God would even think of such a thing. I thank God back when I was 17 years old that I got saved. And, and God, uh, uh, listen, uh, at that point, you know, <clears throat> I, I was thinking about this the other day, that God uh, not only called, saved me, but uh, he, I went to Bible school. My dad always said, listen, boy, you know, I said, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the Air Force. He said, no, you're not. Dad was an army guy. He said, you ain't, you ain't joining. You're going to Bible school. Well, Dad, I've got a good job. I'm working for the newspaper. I'm making $5 an hour. They're going to put me on full time. 
They're going to put me on salary. That's a mistake. Amen. Salary doesn't have any hours. Amen. The first week that they put me on salary, I think we worked about 80 hours. And I got paid like I had worked 40. And I'm thinking, man, I wish they'd put me back on about an hour. But I told Dad I got a good job. And he said, boy, I tell you what. I was telling the folks Friday, I said, my dad always called us boy, me and my brothers. Boy, boy. And every once in a while, when it was endearing, he would call us son. And I said, I wrote both of them down. <laughs> Listen, but he said, you may not ever do anything right, but you're going to go to Bible school. And I respected my dad. And I went. In fact, I went, and I was so smart, they let me go about two months before school was over. <laughs> Amen. And I went into the oil field and worked. But then at the age of 25, when I gave my life back to the Lord, listen, I'm telling you, I told God, I'll serve you, Lord, no matter what. I've never looked back. I've never regretted it, never. I talked about my dad and how, listen, when you serve God, there's got to be some personal surrender. Personal surrender. Listen, there's got to be a point in your life when you say, Lord, listen, serving you is worth every minute. I'll not begrudge it. I'll not belittle it. I'll not bemoan about it. I'll do everything and then some. Listen, because serving God is a privilege. It's a privilege. But these people, they thought it was vain. I came across a a little track here a while back, and it said 10, ten things you'll never regret. One was showing kindness to an aged person, destroying a letter written in anger, offering an apology that will save a friendship. I mean, and the list goes on and on. But listen, one says accepting the judgment of God on any questions. Listen, and I'll add another. You'll never regret serving God. I, I, it's never vain to serve him. It's never foolish to follow him. And it's never profitless to live for him. Listen, these people said, it is vain to serve God. But notice how they approached it. Look in verse 14 again. Notice that there's another statement they made. They said, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? In these words, we see that their motive and how they approach the matter of serving God. The word profit here speaks of gain. And in most cases, the word used, it speaks of that which is gained by dishonest and unjust methods. The word was used in a couple of ways here. and It's used as a technical term for a weaver when they cut a piece of cloth free from a loom. And it's also used to speak to somebody expecting something. Something in return. They're expecting a cut or a percentage where they get that word cut from. And so the people here were saying that they had not got their cut from serving God. Well, God, now if I served you, I had someone in Dumas one time say, listen, if I join the church, what's in it for me? Now listen, it's not, it's not what we can do for the, listen, it's not what the church can do for us. It's what we can do for the cause of Christ. It's about us serving and worshiping God. Listen, but to a lot of people today, they are the ones they are worried about getting something in return. You know what I get? I get to serve God. That's what I get. 
but they had an ulterior motive. Their attitude was if, if we're going to serve God, then we expect something in return. They, we want our cut. You know, this is the deal. If we serve God, then this is what we expect. You see, their words revealed that they were serving God with an ulterior motive. They were serving God out of greed and not out of gratitude. They weren't any different from a lot in God's work today. Listen, there's men standing in this place right here uh, that call themselves pastors and preachers. That they, they are there out of greed and not out of gratitude. Listen, they are in it for what they can get out of it. You remember when those, the multitudes followed the Lord and, and, and he was feeding them. And then when he turned one day and he called them to commitment. And he said, listen, this is what's going to happen. And, and, and if you remember, they all went away. And you remember at that point he turned to his disciples and he said, Will thou also go away? Listen, those people were following God for the Lord for what they could get out of him. Can I ask you this morning, why are you here today? Why do you serve God? Do you serve him for what, listen, expecting something from him? Or are you serving him because you love him, period? We ought to be serving Him. We ought to be worshiping Him and doing for Him simply because of what He has done for us. Amen. Out of gratitude. If you remember back in Job chapter 1 verse 9, we're talking about serving with an ulterior motive. Satan said in that verse, talking to God, doth Job fear God for naught? Satan is telling God, God, you, you know, do you think that Job is serving you for no reason? He's saying, listen, if you were to take all this stuff away from him, he'd curse you to your face. He'd be done. And God says, okay, you can do whatever you want, but you can't take his life. Listen, you know what? Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. He was serving with the right motive. If you notice in that verse, we read the word kept, the word ordinance. The word kept there speaks of a hedge about something in order to protect it. The word ordinance means more than a law or a command. It's, it's talking about uh, a sentry that's, that's at his post. And uh, it's talking about someone who stays there. It, it describes or gives us a picture of a soldier or sentry placed at a, a certain place or a certain post to guard and keep watch. And listen, there's a place of service that God has assigned to every born-again believer. God has given us a place to serve. There is a, a post. There's a, a place He has given. Not Listen, not to, uh, to make it something that, that out of obligation, but He's given to that to us as a privilege. It's a place of privileged to serve him and the ultimate motive of service is to be faithful to God motivated and driven to obey his command and be faithful to his call on our life the reason we should give or the reason we should serve is for one reason and because one you know God told us to for one thing I used to ask dad tell me to do something I can remember dad why you want us to do that why why he'd say go do this and this and then I'd say why that great three-letter word that all of our kids ask. I say, why? And he'd give me a very deep theological answer. Because I told you to. Yep. 
you know, you know the reason we ought to attend. I mean, for no, if no other reason, sometimes if we don't, we don't get it the other ways. But you know why we ought to attend church faithfully? Yeah, because he told us to. The reason we ought to serve him continuously, why? Because he told us to. The reason why we ought to give faithfully, because God told us to. I guess that's a good reason, amen. I mean, he made us. He's the one that has your heartbeat in your hand and the breath that you breathe in his hand. Listen, I would do what he said, if for no other reason. At the foot of the volcano Vesuvius, I had the opportunity to go to Pompeii years ago with my daughter, and 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 we stood and we looked at Mount Vesuvius, and and in A.D. seventy nine, and you'd go do a little history. Vesuvius rained down ashes and lava and destroyed the city in just a heartbeat. Uh, literally thousands of people were killed. When we were able to tour the city, you could see all kinds of uh, statues, but they were real people. People that the lava just uh, uh, just overran them. I mean, they were literally buried alive in, in, in the city. And one of the most fascinating things there in the ruins uh, is a sentry that, that was uncovered. His body is preserved in that lava that came off of Mount Vesuvius when it erupted. His shape and his form are very visible. He looks like a stone statue. He hasn't been carved out of stone, but he's been covered with stone. And what's so fascinating about this century? Well, the fascinating part is, is he's standing straight and tall as if he is at attention still. Say, well, what's the story? Well, in the hour when the whole city, you can imagine when that city, when the Mount Vesuvius uh, erupted and the, the ash and the lava began rolling down off of that mountain into that city, that whole city was in panic. Men and women were running for their lives, yet this sentry stayed at his post, faithful to his charge. Even when the hot lava rained down on him, listen, he refused to abandon his post. We are living in a day when Satan is raining down upon believers. Listen, the hot lava of faithlessness, the hot lava of selfishness, the hot lava of complacency, of tolerance, of compromise. And, and I could go on and on. And the believers today, they are running, trying to find a place of shelter and security in the things of this world. But listen, let the Word of God challenge us today. May we, like this century who was covered by lava, found standing at his post, may we, as a children of God today, listen, may we stand our post. God, help us today to stand our ground and, and do what God has called us to do. Say, where's this coming from? Well, it's coming from a 91-year-old godly preacher of a daddy. That's where it's coming from. Where I stood and God gave me the privilege to preach my dad's funeral yet a Friday. Listen, and, uh, and I, pre- I'll go, I'm, I may just go ahead and preach a little minute here. Get three things. Listen, uh, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, he said that li- he was willing to spend and be spent for you. Listen, we've got a lot of Christians today that are not willing to spend and be spent. 
They're willing to pay somebody so that you can go be spent. They'll put a little dollar in here and there so that the other body else can do it. But listen, Paul said, I'm willing. I'm very, I will very gladly go. And listen, we need some people who will very gladly serve God today out of a heart that loves God because what he has done for us. Listen, there must be some personal surrender. But we don't want to do that. We don't want to surrender anymore. Listen, we want to make, listen, we want serving God to be easy. No, wait a minute. Personal surrender. But then there's got to be personal sacrifice. I told the folks Friday, and, and, and by the way, it was an awesome service. Not because of me, but because of the Spirit of God that was there. Man, we sang. We sang matching over the hilltop. We sang, uh, we sang songs like Victory in Jesus. And, man, well, I mean, we had church. We had a great time. And, and the reason we did that is because my daddy said to. He said, don't be having no sad service about me. I, listen, I'm happy. I'm good. I want it to be a celebration, a happy time. God, there are too many funerals today where you go to, listen, everybody's in there, and they're all down, and you know, sure, there's a moment of, 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 of crying and, and sometimes of being solemn, but I want you to understand uh, that the person that was laying there Friday was a godly individual who surrendered his life to God, and he was willing to serve, and we need to do that too. Amen. There needs to be a revival of service in the things of God. Yeah. Listen, we, God help us, there's a verse that says to make up the hedge and stand in the gap while chaos rains down, and it is. Listen, there's so many today that have a, a worldly, humanistic view of things that are going on. We need to get back in the Word of God and have a, a biblical worldview. Listen, I get everything as, you know, I, I don't like what's going on either, do you? No, but you know what? My God's still on the throne. He's still in control. I'm still saved. I'm still on my road to heaven. The rapture's still going to take place. I'm still going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm still going to have a mansion in heaven, so let her come. I'm, I just, I'm ready to go today. But these people said, it's vain. And it's just not worth it. Look in verse 14. Since they felt like serving God was both foolish and futile, you know, what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, they said. Their final analysis of serving God, they said, we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. That word mournfully is, a, is a descriptive of how they felt. The word there literally means black. Sometimes the word is used to speak of a person's skin. It's also used to describe dark tents of the nomads in those days. But here it's used to describe the apparel of people in sorrow. It was a claim that serving God was more of a burden than it was a blessing. Uh, they were saying it's more of a drudgery than a delight. That serving God was a mournful experience. You know, have you ever heard the song about the title, Jesus Laughing? You know, it, it talks about the Lord with his head thrown back, laughing and having a great time, doing the will of the Father, uh, how he was enjoying himself. And I've all often asked myself that question. You know, because we, we have a, tend, a tendency to look at 
look on the gloomy side of stuff, do we not? Amen. Amen. Come on. I mean, we do. We have a tendency to think that the Lord, our, our Savior, was always walking around with a solemn, sour look on his face. Let me ask you, do you think the multitudes of people that followed him would have followed him had he looked that way? You think they would have followed him had he walked around look, defeated looking and, and you know, just, just like life was just a burden. I'm headed to the cross and, you know, and I'm, I'm doing the will of the Father. And, you know, absolutely not they wouldn't have followed him, not for a minute. Listen, I want you to know they followed him because he walked in victory. He walked knowing that he was doing the will of the Father. I believe his head was up and he had a smile on his face. He was enjoying doing what God had called him to do. Oh, I'm going to church today, you know. I got to go and I got to do this. And, you know, oh, the preacher's going to preach about being back at two. And, and, you know, and about, oh, we're in the book of Malachi. Oh, no, he's going to preach on tithing. Really? We get to go to church two times in a day. Praise the Lord. I get to put in my tithes and offering. I get to support faith promise missions. I get to give this. I get, listen, it is a privilege, and that's the way we ought to look at it. But these people say, man, it's just a burden. Serving God, just a burden. Listen, they would have never followed God. They would have never followed him had he been that way. You know, there's a lot of people today that it seems like we ha- people have a tendency to gravitate toward that one Christian in the church. How you doing today, brother? Oh, well, let me tell you. You got a minute? Let me tell you. I'm just telling you. It's been a rough week, you know. I'm, I want you to know that, boy, it's been heavy this week. And I mean, and they start. Seem like people just gravitate toward that, and they think that's what Christianity looks like. That's not what that's not what mine looks like. Listen, I'm uh, I, I had I preached my dad's funeral uh, Friday, but you know what? I'm 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 thankful because one of these days I'm going to see him again. Listen, he had knee trouble. Guess what? He don't have knee trouble today. He could not hear. I mean, his his hearing had just all but all but gone. And but I want you to know today, when he stepped on the streets of glory, and his earthly father, who was already there, said, "Sunday." I want you to know he recognized his voice. I want you to know when his mother reached out to him and he recognized her because the Bible says we shall be known as we're known. Listen, he had a time with his folks. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to come back if I could get him to come back. Besides that, he'd give me a whooping if he did come back. (laughs) You know what? I'm good. Sure, I'm going to miss him. Sure, there's going to be some uh, empty places. Sure, there'll be some times when I probably pick up the phone to call him and he's not there to call. Yeah? But, you know, we need to get our eyes off of that sour-looking saint. And get our eyes back on Jesus. It's not a mournful experience. It's an abundant life. It's joy-filled. 
high-stepping, amen, heaven-bound, amen, experience. Listen, that's what we've got today. That'll make anybody shout for joy and, and keep a smile on their face when I'm going to mention just over the... Now, wait a minute. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I mean, I think about my mom. She said, I want a, a doorknob made out of pearl that's so big, you got to put both arms around it to open the front door. You know what? I think she'll get it. Yeah. Listen, they, they thought it was a burden. Their final analysis was this. They said, why should one serve God? The best way that I know to describe them is that they were running off at the mouth and about something they didn't know anything about. The greatest joy that anybody could ever experience is the joy of serving God. Say, so is there profit in serving God? Well, don't listen to these people. Listen to those who've been saved and they're serving. Listen to the ones that are faithful to church and ones that are that they may be going through something, but they still got a smile on their face and they still got a a spring in their step. And when they they get to the church, they're saying, "Man, this is a, what it, 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 what it, this is a day that the Lord hath made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. We get to go to church. Praise the Lord." Amen. Not at that person sitting over here going, "Well, you know, oh, you know, we we got to go again, you know." And, Wednesday night's coming. Now, wait a minute. Smile when you come in. You know? Dad always said, smile. Make the devil wonder what you're up to. Yeah, because he can't read your thoughts. Amen. Listen, there's profit in serving God. These people thought there was no profit. Can I challenge you this morning? Listen, you know, my dad said these words, and I, I got it from a newspaper article that they did on him back in 2001 when he had been preaching at that point 50 years. And he said, the way churches grow is through faith, hard work, and lots of prayer. That's a secret formula. He said, he said I know that, and this is what he said, from a reliable source. You know, I, I think, church, we need to get back to that. Faith. Oh, wait a minute. Can we go two out of three? Faith and lots of prayer. No. The formula says faith, hard work, and lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. If dad was anything, he was a man of prayer. Yeah, and he prayed. I'm thankful that he prayed for me. I'm here today because of a mom and a dad that prayed for me. Period. Period. Yep. Can I challenge you today, church? Look around. You see all the green? You know what it's going to take to fill it? Faith, hard work, and lots of prayer. Can I ask you, will you come alongside us and help? God, God said there's no profit, but I'm here to tell you, there's profit in serving God. Because one day we're going to stand before him. And we're either going to hear thou wicked and slothful servant, or we're going to hear, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. I was telling the folks Friday that if I always enjoyed, even at 64 years old, I said I always enjoyed hearing my dad say, boy, that's good. It's just something about the approval of your dad. Yeah. But one of these days, what counts most is the approval of our Heavenly Father. When the books are opened and we're going to be judged out of the things that are written in the books. When he does that and he comes to your name, will he say, well done? Thou good and faithful servant. Listen, that ought to be our desire today. Not for because we, that uh, for any other reason except because, listen, we want to please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So are you serving today for the right, with the right motive? Or are you just kind of here? And I challenge you today, let's get back in. Let's, have, let's be a people of faith. Let's be a people that works, and let's be a people that prays a lot. And all God's people can say, Father, help us, Lord, today. God, I, you've certainly challenged my heart this last week. And God, through the voice of Dad, Lord, he's not here, but he still speaks. God, he speaks through his testimony. But, Lord, he's just echoing what you have already said in your word. God, these people said that serving you is profitless. It's vain. But God, I'm here today saying that that's a lie. God, it's profitable to serve you. And I'm thankful that I have a God in heaven, Lord, who loves me. And God, who's my buckler and my shield. Thank you, Lord, today for saving my soul. Help me, dear Lord, today to be the kind of servant that I need to be. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's not serving you like they ought to, God, I pray that you challenge their hearts and they'll come today and rededicate their heart and their life to you and say, Lord, help me start over today and serve you like you want me to serve. Speak to our hearts. Whatever the need might be spiritually today, I pray, God, that you'd fill these altars, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and while we sing a verse of invitation.